Hi there. Welcome to How to Break Free from Alcohol and Cocaine. My name is Will, and on the 16th of May 2018, I decided to stop drinking. Throughout this podcast, I'm going to take you on a journey from my darkest moments with alcohol and drugs all the way to what life looks like now. I hope you enjoy this, but even more so, I really hope it helps. Welcome back. So today I talk with Rebecca, who joined the Teetotal Facebook group back when she decided that she'd had enough of the drunken nights and the hungover mornings. In today's episode, we talk about relationships, dating, and parenthood, and how alcohol impacts them all. I hope you enjoy. I'd love to kind of hear what it was like for you in terms of drinking and just life in general, when you were growing up, maybe the teenage years, maybe whenever it was that you had your first drink, I guess. Yeah, sure. Um, As a teenager, I actually didn't drink much at all. I was raised in a beautiful little fishing village in Ireland, one of four kids, very outdoorsy, great childhood. Um, My parents weren't really drinkers at all. But it was a very religious, very controlled upbringing. You know, church wasn't an option. You had to be there on Sunday morning. You know, you had to be at the early morning prayer meetings. And it was like, when I look back on it, it was kind of the fanatical end of a religious upbringing. So up until I went to uni, I was very independent. And I was quite proud of the fact that I would go out with mates from school and not drink and it didn't bother me. I was quite, I wasn't really led by peer pressure in any way. So yeah, during my teenage years, I didn't really drink that much. When I went to uni, then I started drinking a bit more, but nothing abnormal. We had great nights out. We used to go to Copperface Jacks, which is where all the nurses and the cops would go. And um, <laughs> So yeah, alcohol wasn't really a part of my life as a teenager. It wasn't until later on that I started to drink a lot more, really. And by later on, is this when you're kind of into your working career? Um, Yeah, so it was really after I got divorced. I think that's what led me to drink. Um, So because it was a very controlled religious upbringing, I kind of did all the things that I was supposed to do. So, you know, went to church, was very involved, a lot of music in church. Um, I went to America, went to Bible school, did all the things that kind of were expected of me. I didn't rebel or, you know, do any of those things. And there was very much a influence of like the American kind of evangelical purity culture. So it was very much around, you know, no sex before marriage, all this type of stuff. And actually looking back, there was a heavy influence of that, you know, throughout all my teenage years. And because I was a people pleaser, I did what I was told. So I I think it probably tainted my kind of normal teenage years, what you would normally do, you know, have a few boyfriends or, you know, different relationships. I never did any of that. So I went from that type of a kind of controlled religious upbringing. And then it's no surprise that I kind of went into a similar marriage, you know, from one environment 
that I knew, even though it was unhealthy, to another environment that I was familiar with, even though it wasn't a healthy environment. So then I find myself in my early 30s, having separated with three young kids, living in England and growing up, we were never allowed to express negative emotions. So, you know, everything was very positive and, you know, it was very much like there's always somebody worse off than us. So quite damaging, really, emotionally, because, you know, for 30 years, you're numbing down any anger, frustrations, any sadness, loneliness, never expressing it. So then when I find myself with three young kids um, in a country that I didn't really want to be in, I found a group of single mum friends and they were like welcome welcome to the group rose bigger by the day um and so I just started partying like I'd never done before um because I suddenly was let loose you know I wasn't married I wasn't involved in church and I'd never had this type of freedom that I suddenly felt I could experience so I found alcohol and partying as a way of escaping um, and mm. a way of numbing down emotions that I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to feel them and I didn't want to feel them. I just wanted to drink myself to oblivion. <laughs> what you said there is so true and I think it's probably the most common reason by why all of us drank is just to kind of numb out any emotions we don't want to yeah. sit with. Mm. And I always I always agreed with that phrase that it's never a drinking problem. It's a thinking problem. Mm. It's kind of the way we're designed. And I can imagine from the sound of your upbringing, the fact that you weren't allowed to show the negatives of mm. anger or frustration. Mm. You know, I'm not sure how how you dealt with that up until up until being separated, you know, through your 20s and 30s. Like, how did you how did you cope with not showing that? Did you have another outlet? Kind of in my early 20s, I went to being very depressed. Um, and it makes sense because, you know, I understand emotions are there for us to feel and they're supposed to be in motion. They're not supposed to be stagnant and, you know, bottled in. And so it's no wonder then that I, I struggled all probably from my early 20s up until still now, I struggle with bouts of low mood or a bit of anxiety. Those emotions are supposed to, we're supposed to be able to let them out in a safe place and be able to feel them. Um, and so I, I didn't know how to do that when I separated. I didn't know how to express all these, you know, this disappointment and this anger that I had and the sadness and feeling lonely and feeling also the overwhelming like burden of having three young kids and how was I going to manage and work and pay everything so or when I didn't have my kids for the weekend I would just be out all weekend you know trying to find some type of momentary I don't know, happiness. You know, I've not been in the same position as that, but I completely relate to the idea that alcohol is 
it almost becomes like a good friend you can always almost rely yeah. on it yeah you know whenever you're whenever you're feeling sad or alone mm-hmm. or angry you can turn to alcohol and you know it will suppress that for you and I love what you said when you know emotions are meant to be in motion and I totally yeah. agree with that and this is something you know especially uh, as a as a guy in this country I was never taught to show emotion and mm-hmm. we're not we're almost told not to you're not meant to yeah. show even just negatives but positives yeah. yeah to hold around in the middle somewhere we can't be over the top joyful and we can't be over the top vulnerable and sad <laughs> yeah. and I found that you know when I when I got to the point that I stopped I felt all of these suppressed emotions fighting mm. their way to the surface and mm-hmm. you know, I don't think I'd shed a tear in about 15 years and <laughs> the day that I said I think I've got a problem with drinking I just burst out crying like a like a six-year-old who's just been mm. in school and I just couldn't control it. It was wild. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I can sympathize with that definitely mm. um, in your situation. And then once you met this group of girls, I can imagine it's very easy to conform with the group as well. It's all feeling very new. How did that then progress, let's say, up until the moment where you decided, right, this is enough? So along with being introduced to this, I mean, a wonderful group of women, strong, you know, already, you know, there were women that had already been single for a while. So like an amazing supportive group that I'm still friends with now. So we would obviously go out, you know, partying and drinking and stuff. But then um, a couple of months in, one of the girls was like, right, we need to get you on online dating. Um, And my self-esteem at this point was on the floor like I when I look back at it now I felt so low I felt I felt like I felt like such a disappointment and a failure because of I felt like I had a failed marriage and so any I remember she was sitting with me at my kitchen table and she said right we're going to use this picture and this picture and this picture and she set up a profile for me and somebody messaged and said hi how are you and I was like oh my god a man has messaged me um and so for me that was kind of like really my escapism it would have been you know if the girls were busy and they weren't going out I would be right that's fine you know I'll just find someone that wants to go out and I'd on an evening time, if I was feeling a bit lonely, I would, you know, have a few glasses of gin and just get on whatever app I had, you know, dating app I had on the phone. And it was a way of escaping, I guess, and not wanting to really deal or maybe look or I, I didn't want to feel the emotions. So I would rather do anything. And I do remember I had psychotherapist at the time that I was seeing and when I went to her initially I kind of told her why I was there and she said right you've told me you know what's happened to you like you're telling somebody else's story and she said you 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 showed me no emotion whatsoever and she said I want you to take a deep breath and I want you to drop down into yourself and I want you to actually tell me how you feel and it was the first time for in I don't know how long that I actually allowed myself to to drop down and feel all these feelings. And I said, I would rather do anything than do this. I don't want to be in this room with you. I would rather go and wash my car, clean the toilet, you know, drive 100 miles. I would rather do anything. This is so uncomfortable for me. I really don't like this. I I 
I don't know what to do with all these emotions that are bubbling up, you know, all this anger and probably a bit of like self-hatred and loathing and all this stuff. I I don't want to be here. Um, and we would laugh and stuff, but that was how much I I didn't want to feel the emotions. So I would say, you know, for a few years, that was kind of my my go-to really. You know, when I didn't have my kids, I would be out on the weekends. But I, I wasn't just out to have a few drinks. I could never just have a few. And even if, you know, my friends were going home at 11 or 12, I'd be like, I'm out. I'm not going home until everything closes, you know. And so I think there was a couple of times where I realized this probably isn't great for me. But I just carried on for a good while because it seemed easier to me than to sit at home and work through you know the hurt or the emotions I was feeling yeah do you know what that really resonated with me when you said I would rather do anything than sit with (laughs) emotions to be honest out of all the people I speak to this is one of the hardest things that anyone has to do which is to be able to sit there and and talk about what's going on inside you know this is why meditation is one of the hardest things anyone can do just to sit still with ourselves because we're always so busy on the go distracting ourselves from what's happening and it's it's so funny that you you said it like you were talking about someone else's life because I remember that's what I used to do yeah I would talk about the good and the bad as if I was talking about someone else and I think you know this is one thing I found when I stopped especially in that first year where I just didn't know how to control my emotions because I'd not had them since I was like 12 or 13 years old Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to navigate them but the one thing I knew is I loved to feel them whether it be good Mm. or bad positive or negative I just loved that I could feel something because I felt like I'd come out of Mm. a a coma where I just couldn't feel anything for so long because I was just basically Mm. medicating through it and yeah I think uh, as much as we think alcohol helps us it just stops the process it stops any processing processing happening you know okay so then fast forward a little bit talk Mm -hmm. to me about the moment where things start to get to a point that you think this isn't this isn't nice I'm not enjoying this anymore if you got to that point yeah so I got to that point um a year and a half ago where I had worked through all through COVID as a nurse and I got to the point where my body and my mind just told me enough was enough and I'm normally a very strong person and I will carry on and probably don't stop when I should stop, when my body tells me or my mind tells me you need a break. So I had to take about six weeks off work, which, you know, I would never, I've always been quite independent and I am not the type of person that would ever admit that I need a hand or that I, you know, I can't do something by myself. I remember putting up a trampoline for my kids in the back garden. And I was struggling with the last bit. And um, my daughter, I think she was maybe three or four at the time, she said, maybe we can ask daddy to help. And we were separated at this point. And in my mind, I was like, fuck it, I can do this myself. I don't need anyone to help me. <laughs> um, so I'm not the type of person that, you know, asks for help. But at this point, it was just 
I know alcohol contributed to this and also the fact that I hadn't stopped to address things you know I had done a little bit of psychotherapy and I had worked but probably not as deep as I needed to or I was ready to so I took time off work um, and I ended up in a relationship and when I look back now for the first three months of that relationship every interaction we were drinking and as the relationship went on I realized that if I hadn't have been drinking, I wouldn't have gotten into that relationship because I'm a different person when I'm drinking and I make different choices. So I, I, I carried on drinking and that relationship came to an end. And I think it was a lot towards the end of last year, I had gone out with a good friend and we'd gone to it for a bottomless brunch locally. And um, we, we both seemed to be drinking the same, but whatever happened, I ended up nearly passed out and I was sick everywhere, sick in the taxi, sick, you know, everywhere. And I remember thinking, for God's sake, Rebecca, you're a 40 year old woman with children. This is what you do when you're 17. This is not what you do when you're 40. And I had this lovely bag that my mum had brought me. And I remember the next day opening it and it was full of like half digested Indian food. And I was like, I didn't even remember eating Indian food. And I was like, this is disgusting. But I still didn't stop. You know, I still didn't. It just wasn't a good environment for me to be in. And there was a couple of things like this that happened. And I just thought, you know what? I'm a different person when I drink and I make different choices and I make poor choices. I make choices that I regret. I make choices that make me feel absolutely shit about myself. And when I look at my kids, and um, I look at my youngest, who's a girl, I would hate uh, for her to ever be in that situation and make those same choices. And so th these thoughts had kind of been going through my head for, you know, a couple of months. And I'd come across your page um, on Instagram and I could relate to a lot of it. Um, and I've never, you know, I've, I'd seen a few people post about sobriety, but it had never been anything that I could relate to because I wasn't drinking every day or even every night. Um, it was just excessive binge drinking and making stupid choices. And I could relate to your content because it seemed very relative to me and very relatable to me. It kind of made me curious. And I knew that if I stopped drinking, then I wouldn't be making such stupid choices because sober me makes very different choices to when I'm out, you know, getting pissed. And even the people that were closest to me didn't really know because I would be out with different people every weekend. So there wasn't really anyone that would say, oh God, Rebecca, you know, that's not great. People didn't really know what I was up to. And so I, yeah, when I came across your page, I thought, right, I probably need to do something. When you say it feels like, I make bad decisions or, or bad choices. And it feel, almost feels like a different person comes out when we yeah. drink, right? Yeah. And this is why I always find it so interesting to create that alter ego 
I don't know why, but I remember I used to get called Bob a lot when I was mm. drinking, or that version of me was called Bob. Mm-hmm. And we all, we always thought it was a bit of a joke. But when I decided to stop, I remember thinking, let me use that because it put a name to that side of me, the side of me which I didn't feel like I was. And it sounds like it was very similar to you. And I know that we've spoken in the past and you you came up with a name for yours, which was... Which was Frankie. Frankie. Yeah, I remember Frankie. <laughs> Fucking Frankie was awful, <laughs> but she was great fun. <laughs> but like you said, you know, a lot of people, when they think about stopping drinking or cutting it out, we always go straight to that image of someone who's what we would consider an alcoholic, someone that drinks in the morning, someone that drinks every day, but... The fascinating thing is almost everyone I speak to on a day-to-day basis had the same relationship, has the same relationship mm. with alcohol as I did and you did. It, was, it wasn't every day. It wasn't mm. even sometimes that regular. But when we did drink, we'd lose control and go mm. further than we intend to. And mm. with that comes bad decisions. It cuts to a point where we feel like it feels like it's a different version of ourselves. And, you know, in, in my case, I used to wake up and think, well, it wasn't me. I didn't make those decisions. I wasn't there for it. But obviously everyone else in the world would see that as me. They wouldn't see two sides. They would just think that's Will drunk or that's Will sober. And it was really hard to, you know, a lot of people always used to say, saying that you're drunk isn't an excuse. But it really felt like it was to me because I just, it wasn't, you know, I would never do that. You know, without a drink, I would never have said that. I would have Mm -hmm. never have done that. So yeah, I totally get that. And um, I hope you got your your purse cleaned as well. That sounded... (laughs) It's been washed many a time. (laughs) That was like quite an intense day out. Um, But yeah, I remember, I still remember the first time, maybe not the first time you reached out to me, but the first call you came onto. And Mm. I remember you had your microphone off. And I was very, you know, I'm always very conscious when there's someone new on the call. And I, I kind of mentally give a lot more attention to see how they're responding and I remember there was a lot of nodding coming from your screen (laughs) a lot of nodding a lot of smiling and I remember your sense of humor was really really good you you were the only person that used to laugh at my awful jokes in the the chat but I remember thinking I I saw a spark in your eyes that was like I'm ready it kind of felt like you were you were turning a corner even though I didn't know anything about you at that time and Mm -hmm. you know even up until recording this podcast I find that these can be really cathartic because Mm. a lot of the times in the community, we'll talk about little parts of our life, but it's very rare we sit down and ask questions like this and actually find out what is going on or what was going on, let's say. But Mm. I, uh, yeah, I remember you, you reached out, you joined the, you joined the Facebook group and you've been an incredible addition to that group because of your, your honesty, your authenticity, and just you as a person. I always feel like, you know, whenever you make a comment it's always something uplifting positive funny Mm -hmm. honest raw and yeah it's been amazing and then I remember one day and I think you know where I'm gonna go with this but one day I was on a train uh (laughs) and I looked at my phone and I had a whole load of notifications and instead of opening up to see a load of different people engaging it was just you and I think (laughs) you'd liked a lot of my posts in a row and there was a part of my mind thinking, oh, this is a, a strange surge of support or motivation. I remember reaching out to you and you said. Yeah, so I was three months then. I hadn't drank for three months and I was feeling great. And um, I think I was actually probably feeling a little bit cocky. And also I was feeling I'd forgotten 
I forgot what Frankie was like. I thought at this point, I thought that she might have actually been a little bit okay and that I would made it all up in my mind. Um, and yes, I remember it was a bank holiday weekend. There was an open mic night at a pub and I'd been invited to go. I didn't really know the person very well that I was going with. And to be honest, I probably was a bit nervous and I've always used alcohol in the past. I'd never been on a sober date. I'd always used alcohol to make me feel more confident. And also, I think as a bit of a, you know, if the person doesn't like me, it's because I was drunk, you know, as a bit of a, um, in case I got rejected, so I didn't feel so bad about myself. Yeah. So I didn't really know the person very well. And it was an open mic night that I got invited to. And I remember going to the bar and I remember having the whole group so like even though nobody in the Facebook group I've ever met it was very much on one side of my shoulder everybody there and their faces and your face and I was like for god's sake you have not been invited out to this open mic night you're not supposed to be here this is not the time you know for you to be in my head and I yeah I had a few G and T's that night. But still, when I got home, then I carried on drinking. I don't, I'm not able to just have one drink and then that's it. You know, once I'll carry on until I go to sleep. So that's why the next morning, yes, I was like, oh shit, maybe I need um a bit more support. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? I I think it's so funny that you mentioned that, you know, myself and the group popped into your head because <laughs> it's not the first time I've heard that. And I think mm -hmm. that is what I found to be so great about the group is the accountability. It almost mm -hmm. feels like you'd be letting people down. And I remember when you told me, the next question was, am I allowed to stay in the group? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, of course, you know, it's, it's, it's never a linear journey with this and everyone's journey is slightly different. And I still believe that everyone gets to a point where they think, right, we're gonna stop. I'm mm. gonna stop this, I wanna improve my life. And after a while, it's mm. so natural that we get for lack of a better word, we get complacent. We think, yeah. oh, I feel good. Like, was it really that bad? And usually it starts with that pink cloud time when you stop, where you just feel so good. Mm -hmm. Eventually, that just becomes the norm. And I think it always feels good because it's such a such a change from what it did feel like. And then when that becomes normal, this is where I find we can start to question it. And we think, oh, was it really that bad? You know, we're, we're great at forgetting pain and hangovers and all of the bad times. And like you said earlier, with that day you had out and you said it didn't it didn't stop you. It didn't wake you up to anything. And it, it's crazy when I think back at some of the things I put myself through yeah. and not drinking never even came up as an option in my head. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it takes so much for someone to to even think about that. And I think mm -hmm. this is why I think a lot of people, you know, reach out to what I'm doing is because it's not letting them get to a point of destruction where they feel like they have to make a decision. It's just showing them over and over that there is another option. There is another life possible. And that is a much more positive lifestyle. But I think, yeah, definitely, you know, I think someone said the other day they had a dream about drinking, which is quite normal and natural and it happens quite a lot. But when in the dream, they were like, oh my God, what am I going to tell the group? Yes. And I think that, you know, it, it can, again, like I say, it's a bit of accountability, but I remember you saying to me something along the lines of, I feel like 
I'm paraphrasing here. I, I'm not not sure the actual words, but something like, "I've got to start again," or "It's all been thrown away." Yeah. I remember saying to you, "It's day one since you've had a drink, but yeah. it's day sixty since you're heading in the right direction." And I think that's such an important thing to think about that we can do long periods of not drinking, and we go back to mm-hmm. it. Nothing has been thrown away. In fact, mm-hmm. I see it as a positive because if you can learn from why that happened. And it's a big reminder as to why you don't want to go back. Then it's a win in in yeah. my head. I think that's I think that's great. And everyone I know has done it, including myself. I did two weeks without drinking, and then went back for one night because I didn't really know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And it's it always serves as a reminder of where we don't want to end up, right? Yeah, definitely. I remember the first time I logged into the Facebook call. It was on a Sunday morning at nine o'clock, and I'd been out the night before. And I was absolutely, I was hungover and I was still in bed. And I, I, so I didn't have my video on. I just logged in to listen and I was late. I didn't log in, I think, till about 25 past nine. Um, so I just list, I just logged in and I wanted to just observe kind of what it was about and if it was something that I thought could be for me. And I remember. I remember it just opening my eyes because there's nobody kind of around me that has said, you know, I want to stop drinking because of this. You know, a lot of my friends, you know, will drink. And so it was lovely to hear a group of like genuine people all, you know, with their own struggles and their own challenges, but all kind of on the same journey of wanting to give up whatever it was, drink or drugs or whatever. And I, it kind of opened my eyes to see, gosh, there is other people that are also in the same place as me. I thought it was only me that was struggling. And yeah, I thought, wow, there's actually other people that, you know, also want to stop and also have had struggles and challenges so, yeah, I remember it being like opening another kind of avenue or a, a world that I didn't know existed. Yeah. And I feel like this is so common and probably one of the most powerful tools is just to realize that we're not alone in this. Yeah, I think a lot of us drink or take drugs to feel more connected with mm-hmm. other people or even with ourselves. And the thing is, it always leaves us more disconnected than when we started. So when we feel that disconnection, we feel isolated. We just want the connection again, but in a different way. And I think it was, I think it was the second call you joined where I remember seeing you. Because, I, yes, I remember the first call you didn't have the camera on. Yeah. And, um, and, yeah, I think that's the one thing that helps so many people. It definitely helped me when that first person I ever met who said to me, I know what you're going through. I've been through the same. And yeah. it just made me feel like, oh, my God, it's not just me. Mm-hmm. I'm not alone in this journey and I feel like that is still one of the most powerful tools and and I I wanted to say as well back to the whole dating because I'm a big believer that a lot of relationships have a third wheel and a facilitator or a mediator and that is alcohol there's so many dates relationships that I've been in and I look back and I think it wouldn't have gone that way if I wasn't drinking And I think this is why a lot of times if someone decides to stop drinking and they're in a relationship, the other person almost feels like it's in some way like we're breaking up, like we're we're losing that side of ourselves because we've 
built the foundation of this relationship around drinking mm. because that's what we do you want to go on a date you go out and you go for dinner you go for drinks mm. usually it involves beers or a glass of wine or whatever and yeah. if you're starting off on a first date by numbing yourself or or yeah. bringing out that alter ego a little bit how are they ever going to really know you and mm. what you value and what you're like so i also enjoyed your sober dating journeys as well i find them to be a very interesting like myself it felt incredibly vulnerable i felt so exposed and yeah. it was scary the idea that if they don't like me it's actually because it's me i know it's terrifying <laughs> that fear of rejection was yeah. was multiplied significantly yeah. but i found that i could tell if there was a genuine connection or not it mm. was not masked by alcohol i mm. you know if i was drinking it would be i like everyone yeah. And if I wasn't drinking, I found that I really have to really have to like the person. There has to be a spark or a connection, you know. I think next is to find out what life has been like since you stopped. What's changed? Um, so since I stopped, initially I initially I did find it quite difficult. And I think I found it difficult because I didn't have that go-to. To numb out my emotions so suddenly I remember you said you know the great thing about stopping drinking is you can feel all your emotions but also the terrible thing is you can feel all your emotions and so suddenly I I had weekends with no kids where I wasn't going out and getting pissed and suddenly the weekends felt so long because I had a whole day Saturday and a whole day Sunday you know, that I didn't need to sleep in because I didn't have a hangover. Um, so there was probably a month or two where I struggled quite a lot and I found myself writing a lot. I found having a creative outlet to um, express emotions very helpful for me. I also found I've been at the gym a lot more. And when I, you know, there's certain people maybe from my upbringing or background who if I'm around can trigger me quite negatively and I can find it difficult to to process kind of after I've been you know with them or in their presence and I remember talking to my sister about this and she said why don't you dedicate one of your gym workouts to this person or to the anger that you're feeling towards them so the punch bag at the gym has been a wonderful cathartic piece of equipment and whenever I have found that you know I'm triggered or I'm you know really anxious or annoyed I will use the gym as an outlet and the phrase that keeps always comes to my mind is 40 fucking years because I turned 40 last year and I felt something different I don't know what it is when I turned 40 but I had kind of lived within the constraints for the majority of my life of controlling religion you know controlling marriage controlling relationships and i had lived within the confines and so often i would use the gym as an outlet for you know whatever whatever emotions i find i have a wonderful psychotherapist who i see regularly and um she has been incredible and helping me I guess to process emotions a lot of like inner child work and very very deep stuff that 
isn't the most enjoyable, but I find that now I'm a lot more at ease at sitting with emotions. So even last week, I was driving to my friends and I just felt lonely. And whereas before I would crank up the music and I would, you know, sing really loud, I would just try and distract myself from those emotions. But I was just like, you know what, it's okay, Rebecca, it's okay to feel lonely. That's okay. Like I can feel it and I can let it pass because, you know, in an hour or two, I'll be with my friend and I won't feel it, but then I can enjoy the positive emotions and, you know, feel them. And there's no way that I would be able to have come to this place if I was still using alcohol as a tool or a vice to distract me and numb me out. So it's been an amazing, it's been up and down for me because I've had lots of things surface. I've had memories surface and things that I'd forgotten about or, you know, felt that I hadn't really dealt with that have come up and I've had the headspace, I've had the time, you know, I found journaling really helpful to just be able to let go of things that were hindering me and not serving me. And I always feel so grateful. I have three wonderful children and I want them to grow up being able to express and identify their emotions and how in God's name, are they going to be able to do that if their mother can't? So I very much want to, you know, learn more how to do that. So that's something that I can pass on to them. That's amazing. And how has it affected your relationship with them, the fact that you're not drinking? Um, I find that I am a lot more present. And I think this I think I find this in every area, but especially with my kids, I feel that I'm a lot more present with them. And I also feel like I'm not racing through the week to get to the weekend, you know, for when I can go out and get drunk. I feel very much like every moment I have with them, I'm enjoying it and I am sitting in the moment with them. Um, I mean, not all the time. Sometimes, obviously, you're racing out the door to school and you're like, come on, we're going to be late. But (laughs) in those times that it isn't like that, I'm a lot more present. I'm less irritable and I feel like I, I connect better and I feel like I'm emotionally more in tune with them. And it's probably because I feel like I'm emotionally more in tune with myself. And so I, I feel better able to pick up, you know, if they're struggling or if they're, you know, one of them's feeling a bit anxious about something or I feel better able to pick these things up maybe because I'm more in tune with myself yeah, I think that's so important. And it's something which I know firsthand, you know, having parents who drank when I was young, it's it's children notice more than we think. Yes. And I think even as an adult, if I'm around people that are drinking, I can tell that mm. they're present with me. And it's not in a judgmental yeah. way because I was not mm. present for many, many years. But it's even now, you know, in my 30s, if I'm with someone and they're drinking, I can tell that I'm, I'm not on this. We're not on the same level, yeah. and it almost makes me feel, in some ways, 
I don't want to say worthless. It doesn't. It's not the right word, but not worthy of attention. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, I know that. You know, if if I feel that when I'm in my thirties, I mm. you know, felt it when I was a child. Mm. And I think it's the most important thing is just the presence we gain from it. Yeah, and I think if you know, if I was to say what would my greatest thing be it, it would definitely be the presence the, the ability that I'm actually here to experience life whether it's good or bad yeah. I'm here showing up experiencing it yeah and I think that's something which we don't realize we're not doing yeah until we do it mm -hmm. um and so many people I speak to who are you know either still drinking or it's hard to imagine what it's like to not drink mm. and I don't know if you found this but you know people may have said to you that it was amazing or you know it's going to be something special and again it's ups and downs the whole way but mm. the fact that we can feel those ups and downs I would never have believed it until I got here myself mm. and yeah I, I mean I wouldn't change it for the world but I think what you've done is just absolutely incredible and it's I'm so happy to have been a part of your journey through this as well because I've I've seen you from that moment you joined the first call and mm. and to go back to it and you know every contribution you give to that group and every conversation we've had and it's it's a very very special moment because we're never going to look back and regret stopping mm. drinking. We never wake up thinking oh I wish I drank last night. And the mm. more we focus on those positives such as being present with each other with our families yeah. with our friends it just makes it so worth it. Yeah, that's my little monologue finish. But, uh, Definitely. Uh, but yeah, I think what you've done sharing your story on this today is it's so brave. And I know there's going to be so many people out there listening to this right now thinking, mm. I feel just like she felt. Mm. I had the same pain, the same preconceptions, everything. And mm. show that you've been through it and you've owned those emotions, the good and the bad, and working through yeah. it and becoming happier and being a better energy and influence on those around you is just amazing so well done thank you i definitely i don't know if i would have been able i probably wouldn't have been able to do it if i didn't have you know knowing that there's calls that i can log into you know if i'm free on a sunday and tuesday and thursday um, and that there's a group of other people also going through the same thing is massively helpful and beneficial to me because um otherwise i think i probably would have dropped off i would have you know maybe not drank for three or four weeks and then gone back to it you know because why not there's not somebody kind of encouraging you and reminding you of the good things and i find that on those calls it just reminds me of like that there are good beautiful souls that also are trying to better themselves and trying to you know heal and so I definitely think I get so much from the calls even if I don't contribute just you know being around and um being influenced by others that are on the same journey it's I'm very grateful for it well I'm so grateful to have you there and wouldn't change it for the world mm -hmm. But anyway, it's been amazing chatting and thank you so much for sharing. I know it's going to help so many people. And um, yeah, thank you. No problem. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you or someone else you know struggles with alcohol, cocaine or any other drug, then please reach out for help.
You can find the link to my online course, the online community, and all the coaching programs, both on this podcast description or by clicking the link on my social media profile. Trust me, you are not alone, and there is a way out. All you need to do is make that first step. I hope you enjoyed this, but even more so, I really hope it helps. Thank you.